All right, everyone, before we get into the wrestling talk, I want to thank our sponsors for this episode. That, of course, is Podcorn. Podcorn is a marketplace connecting podcasters to amazing podcast sponsorship opportunities, such as host-read ads, interview segments, topical discussions, and a lot more. I've just started using Podcorn myself, and I'm telling you, it is really user-friendly and a great way for you guys to get the podcast support that you really need as far as advertisers. So it's really awesome to get these sponsorship chances. And with Podcorn, there's no middleman. Podcasters of all sizes can browse and choose opportunities right on the platform, set their own rates, and even collaborate with brands directly without any exclusivities. And you never give any rights up to your podcast either, and Podcorn is there to support you at every step and ensure that you are protected and compensated for the work that you do for the brands. The Marketplace mission is to give podcasters transparency, creative freedom, and full control of how and when we monetize. So make sure you guys click the link in my show notes head over to Podcorn.com to sign up and start browsing sponsorship opportunities today. What's going on, everybody? Is yours truly, Connor, a.k.a. OK, Fabe. On this week's edition of the Random Wrestling Podcast, we're covering everything that took place in this week as we head towards the Royal Rumble. And don't you fret, we got a ton of stuff to go over. We're going to cover last week's SmackDown. We're going to talk about all the other crazy news, including Marty Skrull re-signing with ROH. Is he going to be the head booker? That's some interesting tidbits. Plus, we'll talk about Monday Night Raw's intriguing results heading into the Royal Rumble pay-per-view, NWA Power, including the updated uh, announcements for all the pay-per-view matches for NWA Hard Times. Plus, we'll cover a crazy NXT heading into Worlds Collide and AEW's going cruising on this week's edition of the Random Wrestling Podcast. This is Dalton Castle. Hello, everyone. This is Bill Apter. Hey, this is Christopher Daniels. Hello, yes, this is Dan Housen saying to watch the Random Wrestling Podcast with OK Fabe. OK Fabe. Because you're listening to the Random Wrestling Podcast with OK Fabe. We're sure about that name, right? Yeah, I'm listening to OK Fabe. Your host with the most on Fight TV, Fight Housing. Watch it. No swearing on the podcast. And now, OK Fabe presents the Random Wrestling Podcast. I have been waiting a long time to say these words, and I'm going to say them right here, right now, tonight. Your number one source for all pro wrestling talk with a comedy twist. Where the hell did Randy Orton come from? He snapped the metal punch in half. Hey, in the middle. Is. How you doing, man? Yeah, good to see you. All right, yeah, you wear your little thing. You're looking like a blind nun. All right, hey, do me a favor. Park the rock truck. What's going on, everybody? It's yours truly, Connor Ray K. Okay, Fade here. Welcome, everyone, to episode 109 of the Random Wrestling Podcast, right here, of course, on Fight TV or wherever you guys are watching and listening from us from. Of course, we are also available on all major podcasting platforms, so make sure you hit us up wherever you guys are listening from. And, of course, love to hear you guys on social media, so make sure you follow me on those Twitters, at Okay, Fade. Yes, I said Twitters, plural. I don't have, I don't have more than one, but I think you guys get the idea. It's, it's an old school thing. At least I think it's an old school thing. I'll have to check my notes on that later. But anyway, we got a lot of stuff to talk about in the world of professional wrestling. Of course, it is Royal Rumble weekend, one of my favorite times of the year. And trust me, there is no shortage of wrestling stuff going on. In fact, we got stuff I got to talk about from last week's episode that I just completely forgot because, let's face it, there's a lot that goes down in pro wrestling this week. So trust me, there's a lot to discuss and a lot to go over. But don't worry, I always love to hear what you guys have to say about all this. Make sure you let me know your thoughts, whether it be on social media, comment section, anywhere, Carrier Pigeon. The carrier pigeon's a little harder to pull off, but just, just trust me, if you train them long enough and give them enough bread, they will come back to you. At least that's what I've been told. 
Mine hasn't still come back yet, but I'm still working out the kinks on it. But anyway, point being is that we got a lot of stuff to talk about. I want to hear your thoughts on it as well. Make sure you follow us on the website, okfabe.com, and check out all our other cool goodies as well. And of course, make sure you check out all the awesome content on Fight TV. Ding! But let's talk about all the stuff. Let's get right into the thick of things. Let's talk about what happened on last week's SmackDown. Of course, the January 17th episode coming at you from the Greensboro Coliseum in Greensboro, North Carolina. Yes, the legendary Greensboro Coliseum, the one that's hosted numerous NWA and WCW events in the past. And so how did it top this one? Kane came back. Yeah, I, I'm saying that in 2020, Kane, the big red machine, the monster himself, the devil's favorite demon, Kane, came back to SmackDown. Now, of course, this was announced to us prior. This was announced to us previously a couple of days beforehand, and we kind of were thinking, okay, he's probably making some sort of promotional plug, whether it be for his appearance on Broken Skull Sessions, which, by the way, if you haven't checked out the review, it's on the website, okfabe.com, or he's coming back to plug his new book, which I have read tidbits of it, and I'm telling you, it's definitely a page-turner for sure. Just be careful, because you might get a page burn. It's a bad... Flame joke for Kane, but anyway, the point is, is that we kind of figured it was some sort of promotional piece, but nope, he actually decided to volunteer himself to be entered in the Royal Rumble, and on top of that, added another twist and another layer onto the Daniel Bryan-fiend Bray Wyatt rivalry, which I really, really liked. So here's basically what happened. Kane was basically coming out, and of course he gets interrupted by none other than Wyatt in the Firefly Funhouse, who mentions that, well, the Fiend know him, knows him, and of course Bray Wyatt knows himself very well, and there's a history there, and they even showcased it with the Inferno match they had back at SummerSlam. And he wasn't done with him yet. So the Fiend actually showed up to confront Kane, who was at this point outside the ring, to which Kane simply replied, what took you so long, and turned around into a running knee from Daniel Bryan. Yes, it was a setup from Team Hell No, as they both took down the Fiend, and he scurried away underneath the ring with Bryan, trying to grab on to some golden locks of hair from Mr. Wyatt. Now, ultimately, this would lead to Daniel Bryan doing a backstage interview later on, announcing that, you know what, I'm sick and tired of the Fiend running. Every single time that I get an advantage, he ducks underneath the ring and scurries away. So, you know what, let's do it a little differently. Let's have ourselves a strap match. Now, I know there have been a ton of different strap matches. There have been different variations and different rules. But for what it sounds like, both men are going to have a strap tied to their wrist, and it's no DQ. First one who pins or submits wins the match. I really like this because not only did it bring Kane back for a genuine purpose to kind of assist his former teammate Daniel Bryan in continuing a storyline, I mean, I understand bringing back sometimes old wrestlers for like cheap promotional plugs and usually it just has like a one-off thing. But in this case, it kind of fed into a storyline which, hey, listen, I'm all for bringing back old wrestlers as long as there's some sort of bigger purpose with it. So, hey, kudos to the writing team and kudos to Kane on that one. And now it just makes the match between Brian and, of course, The Fiend Bray Wyatt that much more interesting heading into the Rumble. And since I won't be able to do a, well, certain prediction video on this one, I know this is going to come out a little on the later side, might as well give my thoughts and think that, well, even though this is happening, I still have my money on Bray Wyatt winning that WWE Universal Championship strap match at the Royal Rumble. But let's talk about some of the other matches. Of course, we got John Morrison defeating Big E Langston in singles competition. Uh, of course, continuing on the rivalry between New Day and then Miz and Morrison, which, hey, that makes me a happy guy. Morrison, of course, not looking like he's lost any step whatsoever in his in-ring ability. Much fun. The Usos defeating The Revival. <sighs> this is the one that gets me a little on the sad side because on one hand, you know you've got two great teams. Usos are no doubt going to be a legendary tag team from what they've been able to accomplish even just this far in their career, if not going to be further. And Revival, I'm still saying, is one of the best tag teams that WWE has going today. 
But the problem is, is that you don't really do anything with them. I was glad to see the Usos come back and assist Roman Reigns because, well, this meant that the Usos could get involved in a higher program and it could bring other people in the top tier program like Bobby Roode or Dolph Ziggler or again, like the, the, the king himself, Baron Corbin. It mixes things up a little bit. You have a chance to have you know, some continuity with the storyline, but at the same time, mix things up so you're not seeing the same old repetitiveness. With Usos versus Revival, it just made me kind of sad to remember, oh yeah, these two actually had a great rivalry at one point. And in fact, they were rivals on Raw without the tag team titles, and even that seemed a bit disappointing because when you have to have a storyline based on the fact that you caught a man shaving another man's back, you get a little concerned as far as what the future holds for both of these, well, all four of these men in this case. But Usos getting the victory over the Revival, it just, it really is sad to see the Revival even losing so much. I mean, heck, they even announced it on the commentary that night from Cole and Graves. I mean, if you know they're mentioning it, it's probably going to be a bad deal. Uh, we had Lacey Evans defeating Bailey in singles action, which was a bit strange considering that, well, she just received a SmackDown Women's Championship match at the Royal Rumble. Now, granted, she was supposed to face Sasha at first, and Bailey kind of had to be interjected by our good friend, Mr. Adam Pierce. But it still is a bit iffy because it's once again that whole situation of, oh, you're going to beat the champion to get a shot at the championship. Uh, you know, call me old school, call me old fashioned, but I don't like that. It, just, it seems to be like a, a defeating purpose because you're essentially going to get more or less the same match. The only difference is that the title's on the line. And it kind of takes away from the whole, I don't know, the mystique and the, the, the anticipation of the match. Part of the reason that some of the matches back in, you know, the Attitude Era and even before that were so huge and, and had such a big time feel to it is because the wrestlers rarely fought each other. You barely saw them. I mean, the only time you'd ever see them is like a six-man tag or a tag team match the week before. And even then, they were very careful about how much they interacted with each other from a physicality standpoint. But now you're basically giving away the farm before you even had a chance to even put the farm up. So, just, it kind of gets me a little irked. I'm still looking forward to the SmackDown Women's Match at the Rumble, but I don't see Lacey Evans getting the victory here, unfortunately. And, eh, hey, at least you got the victory over Bailey on this week's SmackDown, so put it there. We did see an interesting little tidbit as we saw uh, <laughs> backstage. We saw Sheamus and Shorty G brawling it out. Apparently, more short jokes to be ensued. As now we know that Sheamus and Shorty G are going to face each other at the Royal Rumble pay-per-view. Okay, I, 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 okay, let's, let's kind of, let's, let's back up a little bit here. Sheamus just returned back. He's been kind of on this like weird hot streak where he's just like squashing people. He surprised the heck out of me by becoming back as a heel and just kicking the crap out of Shorty G. Cool, okay, I, I kind of dig that. I also sort of understand why they're hiring the match at the Rumble because you want to protect Sheamus and making him look like this unstoppable or this, this new person you're building up. I say new with air quotes, obviously. But you're, he's the new pet project on SmackDown. He's the new one you want to start to build up, right? So, you want to keep him out of the Rumble, supposedly. I, haven't ha I don't have the full list of the men's participants in the Rumble right now. I don't believe Sheamus is in there. I could be wrong. But it's just an odd match to have. Sheamus versus Shorty G seemingly random. It'd be one thing if Sheamus came back weeks ago and then blasted Shorty G by accident or like there was a little bit of buildup in some way, shape, or form to this. But again, we're relying on short jokes, which really stinks because Gable's really good. A lot of people akin him to a young Kurt Angle because of his amazing, amazing athletic prowess. Former Olympic champion. I mean, come on. I know, bigger picture, it just, it's minor, minor irking of the things. But you know what, though? 
I'm glad Elias is back. I know this is a kind of a weird transition, but we did see Elias making his return to SmackDown, performing another one of his amazing concerts, but apparently he's a baby face. He was doing his usual shtick, announcing he was going to be in the Royal Rumble this year, but he gets interrupted by Sami Zayn, Cesaro, and of course the Intercontinental Champion Nakamura, and apparently now Elias is a baby face. Now look, again, baby face and heel transitions are very weird in this business. I'm very well aware of that. But Elias, now, of all places, Elias did have a, I thought, a pretty decent babyface run that was going to eventually lead to a mid-card title. I mean, it's hard for me to choose whether or not I like Elias more as a babyface or a heel. I personally think he might be a little bit better as a heel myself, but just, again, seemingly out of nowhere. Maybe because they're needing some new babyfaces on SmackDown. I mean, you might as well make him a babyface. It just seemed kind of a little out of left field, especially going into Mania season right before the Rumble. But, listen, he's still an entertaining person. I'm, I'm willing to, to ride this roller coaster and just see how far it goes. Um, but back to the women real quick. We did see Alexa Bliss defeat Sonya Deville after some unfortunate distraction uh, from, of course, uh, our good friend Mr. Otis and, of course, his love interest Mandy Rose. Now, I, I will say this. The Mandy Rose Otis stuff on SmackDown is some of the most entertaining stuff I'm, I'm enjoying right now, especially with Otis's mannerisms. And you know he's going to be a big superstar. As soon as he gets away from like the comedy stuff or even continues to carry it on, it's only going to be a matter of time before Otis is truly spotlighted as one of a bigger player on SmackDown. I'm not saying he's going to be world champion right now, but you know he's going to be pushed considering the way he's being utilized right now. If you can't see that, look closer. But the fact that Sonya Deville is now being involved is a big question mark. Now, a lot of people were saying online, oh, is it now like a love triangle situation? It could be. Uh, I, I personally don't want it to go that way. Uh, from what it seemed like from the backstage little semantics between uh, Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville, it seemed more like Sonya was concerned about uh, Otis's getting uh, Mandy distracted about their aspirations of either being women's champions or women's tag team champions, which I would prefer. I mean, we had some teasing of like maybe a Sonya Deville, Mandy Rose, Otis love triangle, or even like a Sonya Deville, Mandy Rose, just like romantic relationship, which again, I'm not opposed to that idea. Again, it's just seemingly like things coming out of left field and not really having a lot of builder anticipation. Now, this also raises the question, what if it's a whole situation of Mandy just using Otis, which we've seen that storyline a bajillion times in the past. But again, I'm, I'm keeping my, my lip tight and I'm trying to buckle down and get through it and just see where it goes. Um, again, we're getting into WrestleMania season, so experimentation stuff might happen before they actually pull the trigger going into the grandest stage of them all. But let's talk about the big stage, which was the main event. We had Roman Reigns going against Robert Roode in a tables match where whoever won got to pick their stipulation for their match at the Royal Rumble. Presumably, well, rather, I should say the Corbin match between Roman Reigns at the Royal Rumble. There's no shock and surprise that, of course, the big dog, Mr. Oorah, decided to get the victory here over Bobby Roode and announced that the match between him and Corbin will be false count anywhere. So that's going to be a huge treat for me. Considering the craziness that we've gotten between Ziggler, Corbin, Rude, Usos, and Roman Reigns, Falls Count Anywhere has the door wide open to have some really fun moments. And considering that both of these men are going to be in the Rumble match themselves later on, 
I'm going to put money down that Corbin's going to win this one, but I have a sneaking suspicion that the big dog himself is going to get the victory come the Royal Rumble. And speaking of Royal Rumble, I just want to let you guys know that if you guys are watching and listening to this and you guys are watching the Royal Rumble, well, guess what? I'll be live on my YouTube channel right after it. So make sure you guys head over to my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash okfavor, and join me live as I celebrate and talk to you guys about all the things Royal Rumble related right there on the channel. So make sure you guys come by, have some love, and we'll talk about everything the Royal Rumble pay-per-view looking forward to and hopefully we'll see you guys there but before we transition over into Monday Night Raw there is a couple of things I wanted to kind of follow up on from last week that I didn't get a chance to fully talk about one of the big ones is of course a huge signing and that's of course Mr. Marty Skrull those of you who don't know the villain himself Marty Skrull the last member of the elite who did not make it over to AEW was still working with Ring of Honor now his contract was up as of a couple of weeks ago and the question remained what was going to happen now, Marty was used pretty heavily in Ring of Honor in, recent, in the recent year, of course, still having a year left on his contract, so he couldn't join his friends over at All Elite Wrestling. So the question remained, what was going to happen to Marty Skrull? Was he going to leave Ring of Honor and then join over in AEW? I mean, he's even been making appearances over in NWA lately, you know, interrupting and seemingly confronting the current champion, Nick Aldis. So the question was, what was going to happen to Marty Skrull? What was he going to do? Where was he going to go? Obviously, a lot of us were instantly assuming, well, as soon as he's done with his contract, he's going right over with his friends. The Elite will be reunited, of course. They even made fun of this on the recent Being the Elite episode this past week alluding to the fact that Marty was going to jump over and have a new executive vice president, which if you haven't seen the latest episode of Being Elite, make sure you give it some love. But surprisingly, Marty Skrull stayed. Now, in an interesting little tidbit, Marty Skrull reportedly, supposedly, allegedly has renewed his contract with Ring of Honor and will be staying not only as a talent, but will also be head booker the creative for Ring of Honor. Now, he won't be doing this alone. He'll also be partnering with the current Delirious. Yes, Delirious. I know not necessarily the greatest wrestling name when it comes to creative writing, but you get the idea. We'll be also inputting his creative as he was the former booker and they'll be working in a mutual relationship. But at the end of the day, from what I understand, Marty will be the decision maker. Now, of course, this instantly leads to people saying, oh, this is a horrible idea. This is gonna kill Ring of Honor. This is gonna kill the business. Look. All I'm saying is give Marty a chance. I think that realistically there are, you know, when people are like, oh, I want, I, you know, this is a stupid idea for Marty to go to, to stay with Ring of Honor. It's a sinking ship and blah, blah, blah. Listen, I think that at the end of the day, Marty did what's best for him. And honestly, I think it's a smart move for him to take a, a pretty lucrative deal from what, I, what I've told. I haven't dis disclosed the number amounts, but from what I understand, it is a pretty lucrative deal. On top of that, being involved in the creative aspect, because let's face it, Wrestling is a very physical thing. It takes its toll on the human body. So being able to input yourself into the product from more than just a talent perspective and being able to submit your ideas from a creative standpoint is probably a very rewarding experience for Marty, one that he wouldn't have taken that idea lightly. And I don't think Marty is the type of person, or Mr. Skrull, as I should probably refer him to as, uh, as one who would take a decision very lightly. And I think that's a very wise move, which is why we've been able to see Marty involve himself with the NWA. Now, as far as we know, Marty's uh, booking committee, uh, booking influence took over pretty immediately uh, with the recent super show in Atlanta, Georgia on center stage, but nothing has been officially confirmed. Now, myself, I'm really curious to see what Marty brings to the table. Could he tank the idea of the creative? I, I don't necessarily think he'll tank the idea, but I am curious to see what sort of influence 
influence he will have on the product. Uh, now that he's going to be in charge of as far as the creative goes. So I'm very curious to see and hopeful for Ring of Honor's future. Speaking of All Elite Wrestling, though, I did fail to mention something last week. We did talk about the uh, extension, the three-year contract, three or four-year. My math is horribly off. 2023 is when we will see AEW Dynamite until on TNT, at least for right now, which, again, a very impressive feat for themselves, considering they've only been on the network for four months, and now they're getting an additional, I mean, I can't do the math. That's, what, like 24 times the... Uh, the time that they've already been on the network, it's insane. It's a great deal and it's a huge positive for All Elite Wrestling. What I failed to mention was the fact that they actually have on that contract with that extension is that TNT wants them, or rather Turner Network, wants them to have a second show weekly. Now, nothing has been officially announced, nothing has been said as far as what that's going to pertain to, but a lot of people were instantly thinking that their other show, AEW Dark, would be brought to the forefront. And apparently, from what I'm being told, that is not going to be the case. AEW will create its own secondary show weekly. Whether or not it's going to be on TNT is still up in the air, but we do know that at some point in 2020, there will be a secondary weekly All Elite Wrestling show. As if there wasn't enough wrestling for me to talk about and cover on a weekly basis, now they have to throw another secondary AEW show on me. A third one, technically, if you want to count Dark. No, in, in all seriousness, no, I'm very happy and proud for All Elite Wrestling for the amazing accomplishments they've been able to pull off in such a short amount of time. Whether you love them or hate them, like their product or don't, you have to give them credit for what they've been able to accomplish in such a short amount of time. And we'll talk more, obviously, when we get to Dynamite. But another piece of great AEW news is that the Taz, that's right, the human suplex machine himself, has also signed a multi-year deal with All Elite Wrestling. And I am personally excited for that one for numerous reasons. For number one, those of you who haven't been following Taz's career post his broadcasting career in TNA, he's been doing a radio show for quite some time that I religiously watched or listened to, uh, religiously watched Jones, but, and hopefully you got that reference, but he recently had his show uh, off the air. He was no longer doing his weekly radio show. And so Taz was kind of not really doing a whole lot from what I understand until he recently did some guest commentary spots on AEW Dark, and it didn't take too long for him to be signed on as a commentator. I honestly think that as far as a wrestler who has transitioned from in-ring competition to the broadcasting booth, Taz is one of, if not the best out there that has done it. I love his work. He's very insightful, very informative, and he knows how to get stuff done. Honestly, he was one of my favorite broadcasters on SmackDown when he was doing the work over there. So to know that he's now going to be back in the broadcasting booth on All Elite Wrestling... Man, it makes me one happy camper for sure. So looking forward to see what the human suplex machine can do behind the mic coming to AEW. Hey everyone, don't forget the amazing action that you can still order right now on Fight TV, including NWA Hard Times. Go back and witness the awesome history of the National Wrestling Alliance, including Nick Aldis versus Flip Gordon, Aaron Stevens defending the NWA National Championship, the NWA World Tag Team titles, and of course the return of the NWA TV title in a huge one-night tournament. Make sure you go order the replay right now on Fight. Also... Don't forget to order New Japan Pro Wrestling's The New Beginning pay-per-view coming at you February the 9th at 2 a.m. Eastern Standard Time featuring some of the greatest matchups from New Japan Pro Wrestling. Of course, you've got the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Team title match, Jay White versus Sonata, John Moxley defending the IWGP United States Championship against Minoru Suzuki, and your awesome main event of the IWGP Heavyweight and IC titles both on the line as Tetsuya Naito takes on Kenta. So make sure you check out this and all the other amazing action coming at you on Fight. Now, 
Switching gears over back to Monday Night Raw, taking place from the Intrust Bank Arena in Wichita, Kansas. We had the Go Home Show for Monday Night Raw going into the Royal Rumble. Now, before we even get into my lovely notes that I have here as far as the Rumbles, or rather Raw going into the Rumble, I have to warn you guys, if you haven't heard or seen my stuff before, I tend to critique go-home shows very harshly. And the reason I do that, especially for WWE, is because in my opinion, and this could be yours, a completely different opinion, of course I'd love to hear from you, is that go-home shows, number one job to me, should be to sell you on the pay-per-view. It is the last ditch effort to make sure that you, or the audience member, they can do everything in their power to make you get either the pay-per-view or the network or whatever. Make it exciting. Make you say, man, I got to watch that pay-per-view. I got to watch that show for sure. Did Raw do that? Kinda. And they did it right off the bat with an interesting little tidbit with the, <laughs> with the newly formed team of Seth Rollins, Buddy Murphy, and the Authors of Pain named To Be Announced. We haven't, maybe that's what they should call their group. They should call their group To Be Announced. That would be an interesting little tidbit, right? I, don't know, I, I think that would, or uh, card subject to change. I'd be fine with that, either one. Um, or you can let me know what you guys would call them. But Owens and Samoa, uh, Samoa Joe and Kevin Owens not taking anything lightly wanted to challenge this new rivaled group, but they didn't come alone. The Viking Raiders came and cleaned house, baby, which I have a bit of a problem with. I wish they just kind of ducked out rather than having actually a physicality brawl, but eh, semantics. We find out later in the evening that Rollins and Murphy are actually going to challenge the Viking Raiders for those Raw tag team titles a little later on in the evening to, of course, assert their dominance. But we'll get to that in a minute. The ladder match, though, the incredible ladder match we had between Andrade Cien Almas and Rey Mysterio for that United States Championship. Here's what I'm going to say to you about this matchup. It's a ladder match featuring two men who have had put on amazing matches in the past. In fact, I argue that if you go back and watch any match between Andrade Cien Amas and Rey Mysterio, that you couldn't find a bad one. I'm not saying that this matchup was bad. Uh, it, there were some incredibly brutal, crazy ladder match spots uh, that you'd see like everywhere from like the senton to a back body drop to all sorts of just shenanigans involving being dropped up on a ladder that you could probably think of. And I felt like the ladder match wasn't, it wasn't a bad one at all. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. But I felt that was just a little off. There was something about it that just didn't feel quite right. I, I don't know if it was just, there was missteps or something. It just felt a little weird. Maybe it was even the fact that this was the first match on Raw, which really surprised me more than anything else. I mean, I get it. It's the go-home show for Raw and the Rumble, and these two men, as far as I know, aren't in the Rumble match. They could be wrong. I could be wrong about that. But the fact that this matchup was not in the main event was very perplexing to me. Unless you wanted to really kind of keep the audience enthralled, uh, I, I was just more surprised this match kicked off the show. I thought they would have saved this for at least the halfway point, if not the main event. But you know what? Semantics. We saw Andrade retain after some intriguing interference from Zelina Vega actually climbing up the ladder and slapping Rey Mysterio. You, you got to admit, uh, Zelina Vega is probably one of the most competent and um, effective valets, managers, whatever you want to call her, uh, in recent history. Seriously, she has been the most hands-on one that I've seen in a while, and she deserves a lot of praise. I just hope we get to see more of her in ring. Like she does a great job with Andrade as as like the manager valet role, but like let's get her in the ring and let's have her have some more fun. Like 
man, she can go. And I just really hope they do more of that. Uh, but interestingly enough, it didn't take long for Andrade to actually have a celebration as, of course, a masked figure decided to attack Andrade. And it was none other than Humberto Carrillo making his return from whereabouts, I'm not sure. And thus, we now are going to know that these two are going to have a match at the Royal Rumble for that United States Championship. And listen, I'm not saying it's going to be as, as good as Rey Mysterio and Andrade, but I think that from Humberto's in-ring ability that we've seen recently sprinkled throughout Raw, these two are going to have a killer match at the pay-per-view, so I'm really looking forward to that. Weird transition to get out of Rey, but I, I think what they're trying to do is they're trying to make Andrade established as the next big Latino superstar, which I am all for. Um... But uh, just weird. Just a weird match. Not bad. Not bad match. Just very odd. But we'll, we'll talk about that. We had Aleister Black in a squash match against a local competitor, which <sighs> I hope they do more with him very soon. But at least they're keeping, a, we're, we're, they're keeping Aleister Black on our radar. Like, hey, he's still a thing. He's still a person. Let's just make sure that we, we remind people. I wouldn't be surprised if Black either gets involved in the United States Championship either right before right before, during, or right after WrestleMania. I know it's a broad spectrum. I think that uh, Aleister Black, honestly, will be probably more pushed right after WrestleMania season, so I'm fine with the local squash competitors as long as there is a purpose involved. But we also had another interesting little promo tidbit with Brock Lesnar, Paul Heyman, and Ricochet. Basically, Heyman coming out with Brock Lesnar, talking his usual spiel about how Lesnar's going to enter the Rumble at number one. He's going to win the Rumble! And Ricochet decides to decide to step up to the Beast himself, and, well... I mean, come on. You knew how this was going to end. You knew Ricochet was going to basically become the flattened pancake that's underneath Brock Lesnar's boot. You knew that's exactly what was going to happen. And that's exactly what happened. <laughs> um, I kind of dug this. I, I kind of wish they did it with, like, like with our truth stuff, I got because it wasn't really harming anybody. And it really wasn't, like, no offense, to no, no disrespect to R-Truth, but it wasn't, like, taking anything away from the Rumble match itself, right? You were, it, was, it was a purpose was set in mind to remind people that Lesnar's in the Rumble and that he can kill anybody. <laughs> he can basically take anybody out. This one I'm a little mixed because it kind of, to me, takes away the idea that Ricochet could also win the Rumble. And generally speaking, that's my general problem with the Rumble match itself, uh, or rather the build of the Rumble match, at least in recent years. I feel like... We've had a core group of people that we pretty much have an understanding that we know who's going to win the Rumble. Like we have it down to boiled like to a top five, right? But I miss the days of Rumbles where you really didn't know. Like you had an idea and you had an inkling, but you really don't know. And this year is kind of that same way where we're still not sure what the future holds for WrestleMania 36 this year taking place in Tampa. And the Rumble is going to be the start of that. But I'll get more into that once we get to the end of the Raw. But actually, speaking of which, one person who I really hope does win the Royal Rumble is a man who's in this next matchup, which was Drew McIntyre. None other than Drew McIntyre himself taking on the Viper and the Orton. Now, this matchup was really fun. And for me, out of everything else, it showed how versatile McIntyre could be. And granted, it had a weird ending with the DQ finish with the, the OC coming out and basically running roughshod over both men, which I actually kind of dug. I thought that was actually a clever move because it also makes neither man look bad. But it, to me, the big takeaway from it was that, oh, McIntyre is still being pushed heavily as a possible top contender on Raw. And if to jump a little ahead here as far as the Rumble's concerned, methinks that Drew McIntyre, well, if I had to pick someone from Raw to win, McIntyre's my guy. SmackDown is going to be Roman Reigns. But Drew McIntyre is going to be my guy over on Monday Night Raw. Don't even get me started on the Women's Rumble. That's even a crazier one. But speaking of women's match, we had Becky Lynch and Kyrie Sane going at it one-on-one -on -one once again in a non-title matchup, which 
Yeah, not really that great of a match, unfortunately. I mean, Becky Lynch getting the win here and, of course, building up towards it, Lynch and Asuka. But I feel bad. This is the second time we've seen Lynch versus Kyrie Sane. I feel like this is something that should be held up for, I don't know, maybe a bigger event. I mean, you know, I get that they're tag team partners and you're trying to, again, distance yourself from Asuka, but ah, just wasn't feeling this particular match. And I don't think the women were either. As far as the women's Royal Rumble is concerned, since we're wrapping up a little bit here at the WWE talk, uh, the Women's Rumble, I'm putting all my money down on Shayna Baszler. No questions asked. We don't really know, as far as this recording is concerned, how many women are going to be in the Rumble match, or, uh, sorry, which women are going to be in the Rumble match. We know there's going to be 30. But as far as who I had to really pick, it's either going to be Sasha Banks or it's going to be Shayna Baszler. Those are my two picks from, well, Shayna Baszler's on NXT, but Banks on SmackDown. Those are my two picks for the Women's Rumble, but we'll see how that plays out in general. We had uh, Seth Rollins and Buddy Murphy, of course, taking on the Viking Raiders for those coveted Raw Tag Team titles. And guess what? They actually won them. Wait, 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 wait. Okay, so let me, let me make sure I get this right. Seth Rollins and Buddy Murphy beat the Viking Raiders for the Raw Tag Team titles. Okay, let's break this down. On one hand, I get why they did it. They need to establish dominance of this new faction and this new group that Rollins is, is, is putting together. They need to showcase their power and strength, so they need to take the belts off of someone. Getting uh, Andrade's got the U.S. title. Brock's got the WWE championship. The tag team titles are pretty much the only thing you can really go for at this point in time. Viking Raiders have pretty much been dominant since winning the tag team titles, so it, it, I, I sort of get that. I sort of understand that. Why not the Authors of Pain, though? I don't understand why the Authors of Pain weren't in this. I mean, granted, Rollins and Murphy are the heads of it, I, okay? But you could easily interject Murphy into the U.S. title, you know, in a month or so from now. And really, the Authors of Pain, from a physicality standpoint, make the most sense because even if you, even if you got rid of interference from Rollins and Buddy Murphy on the outside, that's probably the only tag team that you have right now that seemed like they could legitimately beat the Viking Raiders. And honestly, would be sort of a dream match in some ways. And I, I use that term loosely, obviously. But why? Why Rollins and Murphy? And, and the biggest crux of all this whole thing, Murphy just came off a losing streak with Aleister Black. So in a matter of a month, Buddy Murphy loses match after match after match with Aleister Black three times, joins up with Seth Rollins, and then wins the tag team title the next night. You know what I mean? Like, it just, it, it's, it's just head-scratching. Again, bigger picture. They're trying to establish dominance of this new group. I understand that. But just... Yeah. We'll see. We'll see how this all rolls out and heading out past the Royal Rumble, but just... That irked me. It was, it was kind of cool, but just irked me that you have the tag team right there. Right there. But speaking of tag team craziness, let's talk about that mixed tag main event. Yes, the Bobby Lashley and Lana Rusev Liv Morgan mixed tag team match. A match that we have been building up since the return of Bobby Lashley and Lana to TV. This has been going on for months with wedding segment after interference, after shenanigans, after possible appearance on Maury Povich, to this. Is this what we've been building to? 
Is this match what we've been building to when it comes to this rivalry? I, I, I really hope it is. I really hope this is the end of it. I, I, I don't think it is because the heels got the victory here, but I, I hope this is the end of it. I've been telling you guys, or saying to you guys for weeks, the biggest problem I have with this whole thing is what is the payoff, okay? If you have Rusev, Lashley, and Lana, right? Lana's the third wheel in the whole thing. You're building to a Rusev, Lashley match with maybe Lana's uh, divorce paper. I don't know. Lana marries the winner. I, I, you know, as, as, as corny as that is, my understanding was, okay, the, the, the big picture here is you're trying to make Rusev look like a new top star for Raw. That, I've been saying that for months now. And that's been my excuse to put up with this. Liv entering the whole picture is just throwing everything off for me because I have no idea what her involvement's going to be other than maybe being a counterbalance to Lana. But, but, but it's just irking to me. We're going into WrestleMania season, folks. We're at Royal Rumble weekend now. And we're going into the biggest season of the year for WWE. And really, if you take away, away Lesnar... Underneath Rollins, his group rivalry with Owens and Joe and, and the Viking Raiders, this is your next major angle and honestly has been the angle that's been going on the longest. Let's think about that too. That's, this is the angle that's been going on the longest on Raw. So either there's some other bigger payoff that's either going to happen, hopefully, worst case scenario, I hope this ends at the next pay-per-view. Like that, that I, please not WrestleMania. Please not WrestleMania. But, I, but where, where do you go from here? Does Rusev pull the biggest upset of the year and actually win the Royal Rumble match? It's possible. It could easily divert him away from all this, but I, I don't see that happening. And again, why was this the main event? You could have easily switched the places of this in the ladder match, and I would have been much more content and honestly enjoyed this Raw probably a lot more. I'm not saying this Raw was horrific. It's just it, it had so many questions to things. Like, why did we have to have Ricochet attack Brock Lesnar? Why did we have to have the ladder match first? Why did, uh, why did Becky Lynch have to fight Kyrie Sane again? Why did Rollins and Murphy win the tag team titles? It just left a lot of questions for me. As far as building up anticipation for the Rumble, it really didn't do a whole lot for me as far as that goes. If anything, it just made things leave a whole lot more questions on the plate. But we got Monday Night Raw next week, so maybe they'll answer some questions, and maybe my optimism is just running a little too high. But we'll see how it plays out. Let me know what you guys thought of this week's Monday Night Raw. I'd love to hear your thoughts, because I'll tell you what, my head is sore from scratching it after watching what took place this week. Now, let's slide over away from WWE for just a second. Let's talk about what happened on this past Tuesday. We're talking NWA Power. We're feeling into the fire and feeling frisky as we're on our way to NWA Hard Times. Which, by the way, if you haven't ordered the replay of Hard Times, make sure you guys go check it out over on Fight TV. It is a great pay-per-view, and trust me, something you want to definitely check out for sure. Now, this past week on NWA Power, we, of course, had the big matchup. It was Nick Aldis taking on Ricky Morton for the NWA World's Championship. In fact, it was such an epic NWA Power. It was the second season finale. We had to make the thing 90 minutes, yeah. The 90-minute episode of NWA Power aired, and man, it was a one to behold. We had a couple of TV tournament qualifying matches, and we also found out some other interesting matches, which I'll go over the card for hard times in just a second. But that main event with Nick Aldis and Ricky Morton was a treat in and of itself. Although the Rock and Roll Express World Tag Team Champion Ricky Morton wasn't able to come close to winning the championship, 
he, well, I shouldn't say came close. He did come close. Even though he wasn't able to capture the 10 pounds of gold, he still put on a clinic and a classic performance that showcased the ability of both Nick Aldis and Ricky Morton together. I love the matchup. It was great. I love the fact that he got a shot at the title. Love the simplistic storytelling in this whole thing. It was certainly a treat. But let's talk about hard times real quick because we got the updated card right here. We know that Thunder Rosa will actually be challenging Allison Kay for the NWA Women's Championship. We've got Aaron Stevens defending the NWA National Championship, the black belt karate expert against, and I, I'm, I'm really looking forward to this, Scott Steiner. Yeah, Steiner's challenging for the National Championship. That is going to be a treat in and of itself. The Rock and Roll Express will defend the World Tag Team Championships against both the team of Storm and Drake. That is, of course, uh, James Storm and E. Lai Drake. And, of course, the Wild Cards, the former Tag Team Champions, in a triple threat match. And then, of course, we've got Nick Aldis in a non-title match against ROH's Flip Gordon. And we got ourselves the NWA TV title tournament. We got four first-round matches with the entire tournament concluding at hard times. It's, of course, we've got the first round, Tim Storm versus Ken Anderson. Anderson. We got Ricky Starks again, Matt Cross, which is a really fun treat. Dan Mapp also joining the tournament, taking on Ziggy Dice. And of course, the final first round match is Trevor Murdoch against the question mark. Who's going to win the TV title tournament? Which is a tune into hard times and see exactly what's going to go down. Looking forward to that pay per view from the NWA. Now, switching some letters around, let's go from NWA to AEW. So AEW Dynamite taking place this week from the ship of Jericho, or the cruise of Jericho. Drink it, uh, sail it in, man, I guess is the best way to, to kind of phrase that one. We had a lot of craziness go down heading into Revolution on AEW pay-per-view, and the first one was that we got new tag team champions. Surprisingly, Kenny Omega and Adam Hangman Page actually got the victory over SCU and became the new World Tag Team Champions. Now, this is a big reason. This is a big news for a bunch of different reasons. Number one, this is the first title change in AEW history. Yeah, think about that for a second. All the champions so far have been first evers. Jericho was the first world champion, Rio the first women's champion, and SCU the first tag team champions. But now, Adam Hangman Page and Kenny Omega, the new tag team champions. Killer match to start off AEW Dynamite this week, and definitely one, if you're going to watch any matchup from this week, that is certainly the one to watch. Particularly, the big thing I liked about it the most was that the Bucks came out to celebrate the tag team title win, but Paige kind of ignored them and just went body surfing into the crowd. In fact, later on, we find out that we get an interview from Kenny Omega and Adam Eggman Paige, and Paige just had, well, let's just say a few too many to drink, but he got a little ippity and snippity with the, the Young Bucks once they came in and even mentioned the comment of, wow, I'm surprised we won these titles before you guys did. I love what they're doing here with the, the planting of the seeds of, of Hangman Page eventually turning heel and turning on the elite. Um, whether or not through alcoholism is another reason why I may not have done it personally that way. But you know what? It is what it is. I still love the match. Great tag team match between SCU and, and uh, Page and Omega. Glad to see them win the tag team titles. Crowd was awesome on the cruise ship. I got to say that right off the bat, too. Something I failed to mention. But the crowd on the cruise ship, on Jericho's cruise, awesome. And I really love this, the visual aesthetic. It reminded me a lot of the old WCW Spring Bake, Spring Bake, uh, sorry, I can't even say it, Spring Break shows, where you'd have like pools, they'd have the ramp like level with the pool, which we'll talk about that a little bit later on. But it was a really fun visual, very similar to like the Bash of the Beach visual that we got last time uh, on last week's episode of AEW Dynamite. We also had Britt Baker going one-on-one -on -one against Priscilla Kelly and actually got the victory via submission, but the bigger picture is that Britt Baker has now turned heel. Yes! So happy for this. 
Um, Britt is, I'm not going to sugarcoat it, Britt is not necessarily my favorite women's wrestler. Uh, there are, I think there are other women on there that have, have caught my eye more as far as the women's division. I know that the women's division is still trying to find their footing in a lot of ways. Personally, I think Britt does a very better delivery as a heel. I wasn't thrilled with this match with Priscilla Kelly, but I know Britt can do a lot more. And I'm very happy to see her as, as a heel now. I'm really looking forward to this because this opens up a whole lot of avenues. You truly have the Nightmare Collective going on as far as your heel women group goes. But I think Britt, considering her, um, I guess you could say, level of popularity and being a top heel now, could help with the shape of the women's division as a whole. So that should be a lot of fun. Great heel promo on Tony Schiavone and the fans. Really loving this. Speaking of loving, more tag team action as we saw crazy six-man tag action as Jurassic Express, Jungle Boy, Marco Stunt, and of course, everyone's favorite dinosaur, Luchasaurus, taking on the inner circles, uh, Ortiz, Santana, and of course, Le Champion, Chris Jericho. This was fun. This was a fun six-man tag team match. And, you know, I get so, I don't know about you guys, but I get very desensitized when it comes to six-man tag team matches lately. It's just... It's, it, it, we see so many of them now on WWE programming that it's hard for me to enjoy them sometimes. It's hard for me to enjoy sitting down and actually kind of watching the inner workings of these matches. But just the, the creative flow with all those different men together, the different styles. I thought Luchasaurus was the MVP of, the entire sh of that entire match. No disrespect to any of them, but like he was the go-to guy in that one. Santana Ortiz showing their t showcasing their tag team skills. It was a fun blend, and you could tell the guys were having fun out there. Despite the inner circle getting the victory here, I thought that it was just a very impressive outing for, any, for Luchasaurus. But overall, just a fun match. If you want to have a match that's just fun, wild, crazy, and just had a little bit of a, of a kick to it, go watch that one. Inner circle getting the victory, but still such a, just a treat to watch on a wrestling show, especially a six-man tag team match. Again, you get so desensitized to these things sometimes. It's kind of crazy. Uh, but... Now comes my favorite part of AEW. Of course, three letters, three initials, but I can't say them. It's Maxwell Jacob Friedman. So you had a matchup against Joey Janela defeating Bad Boy himself. No questions asked about that one. But afterwards, Cody comes out to confront MJF after an exchange of words. Looks like he's about to strike MJF, but Mr. Friedman reminded him of the stipulations. He goes, you hit me. Our match at the pay-per-view is off, man. It's, it's off. So... As MJF goes to walk away, Cody says, you know what, you're right. I can't hit you, but these guys can. And of course, MJF turns around into a beautiful super kick party and then gets tossed right into the pool. Again, why I just love the fact that they just had that visual right then and there. It was great to see. But of course, the main event we had is Moxley and Pac, number one contendership for the AEW world title against Le Champion, Chris Jericho. This is a brutal match. Uh, I specifically like the fact that Pac was constantly targeting the injured eye of John Moxley, but no shock and surprise that Moxley ultimately get the victory here, but a brutal stiff match between the two of them. It was a lot of hard-hitting action, and one that I really hope we get to see flushed out more. Um, Pac is just, like, intense. So is Moxley. It was a great bashing of similar styles, um, but I love how they were able to switch things up a little bit, and again, love the psychology of Pac targeting the eye of Moxley because why wouldn't you do that to take advantage of your opponent? I mean, that just makes the most sense in the world. An eye for an eye, baby. I thought AEW Dynamite this week was an absolute treat. I think that the, the opening tag team title match was probably my favorite, but the six-man tag, MJF's promo, the Moxley Pac, I mean, it was a very solid show. I've been noticing over the course of weeks that AEW has been 
better as far as their pacing of their show and that they're giving the appropriate amount of time to the appropriate amount of things. So it's, it's kind of, it's, it's better pacing and better padding overall as far as the show programming is concerned. You can tell they're getting better at the shows week to week. They're not perfect, but they're certainly improving. But that's just me. I'd love to hear what you guys thought of AEW Dynamite this week. So let me know. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Speaking of which, I want to make sure that you also heard about the awesome stuff over at Patreon. If you guys haven't checked out the Patreon page, patreon.com slash OKT, you get tons of cool bonus goodies. We just did a retro review of the Royal Rumble from 1999. Plus, I'll be doing a Q&A over there, exclusive for patrons only. And you also have a chance to listen in on my thoughts about Seth Rollins, plus early access to shows just like this before everyone else. And of course, you get other tidbits as well, like bonus stuff before OKFabe.com gets posted. Make sure you check it out for as little as a dollar a month. Patreon.com slash OKFabe. Check it out and give it some support if you like what it is that I do. Patreon.com slash OKFabe. But last show we're going to recap is NXT. When Worlds Collide. I'm sorry, Worlds Collide. I almost said When Worlds Collide. It's, it's, I, love, I, I keep thinking of that song in my head, When Worlds Collide. Great song. Anyway, uh, Worlds Collide coming up right around the corner. So NXT also having a killer show. Two Dusty Tag Team Classic matches for the tournament and we also had women's action plus a nxt north american championship match crazy night grizzled young veterans defeating the undisputed era in the first semi-final match of the dusty Rhodes tag team classic tournament and of course it's because of those darn imperium yeah imperium actually making a statement against undisputed era costing them the the uh the tournament match which Makes sense. They attacked Imperium at the end of TakeOver Blackpool 2. There was a receipt to be had, and trust me, it would not be the last receipt that we would see from Imperium, which I cannot wait to get to. But makes a lot of sense. I'm glad to see that a UK tag team makes it to the main event of Dusty Tag Team Classic. We also had Tony Storm defeating Io Shirai. Unfortunately, that was via DQ as Bianca Belair came in and took out Tony Storm. Those of you don't remember, Bianca Belair won the Battle Royal last week. So she'll get a shot at NXT TakeOver Portland, but Tony Storm's getting a women's title shot before that at Worlds Collide against Rhea Ripley. So she wants to kind of take out the competition because Bianca's got her eyes set on Rhea Ripley. Of course, it didn't take long for the champion to also get involved, but after all the calamity and chaos from all the women involved, it was ultimately Tony Storm coming out on top, holding up that prestigious NXT Women's Championship. Now, it's, it's bittersweet because that's usually considered bad luck, if you guys don't know, if, 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 a, if a challenger touches a title belt before winning the championship. So, not really sure if Tony Storm's going to walk out the victor here. I, I personally would, would love to see that, but at the same time, I'm just happy Rhea Ripley's champion. So it's another one of those cases of I'm not really caring too badly who wins because at the end of the day, I'm going to win because it's going to be a killer match between the two at Worlds Collide. Uh, Finn Balor defeating Joaquin Wilde in a pretty brutal squash match. I mean, there were just some nasty kicks just showcasing the evil tenacity of this new Finn Balor, and I'm all for it. I'm, I love the, the heel turn of Finn Balor, and I'm really looking forward uh, not only to his match at When Worlds Collide. See, I said it again. Not only to his match at Worlds Collide, but also his match against Johnny Gargano at TakeOver Portland. Loving this new heel Finn Balor. But women's matches was not just Tony Storm and Io Shirai. We also had Shayna Baszler against the debuting Shotzi Blackheart, a recent signing to NXT, which I was really looking forward to. Well, unfortunately, Shotzi didn't have much of an offense in and unfortunately did succumb to Shayna Baszler. What I found very interesting was Baszler, this was more of a statement to her to make her way to getting a third NXT Women's Championship match. But methinks this is a misdirect because, and as I said this earlier in the show, I still think that 
Shayna Baszler is going to win the Women's Royal Rumble. I think she will be one of the probably many surprise women's entrants in the Women's Royal Rumble this weekend, and she'll move on to win because really there's no need for her to go after the Women's Championship anymore. NXT has really done a great job of building up their women's division in the last couple of months, and I think it's now is a good time for Shayna to, to ultimately move on up win that Women's Royal Rumble and head on her way to WrestleMania, and I'm going to put my money on her and, and uh, excuse me, her and Becky at WrestleMania this year. And trust me, that's going to be a blast. That's going to be fun for WrestleMania weekend. In the other tag team matchup, we had Imperium against uh, Bruiserweights. Yeah, you heard me right, the Bruiserweights. Awesome tag team matchup. These tag team matches in this Dusty Classic have been uh, a treat. Honestly, I haven't seen a bad one yet, but the Broserweights coming out on top over Imperium and, of course, exchanging some friendly war of words with uh, the grizzled young veterans as those two teams will clash it out at Worlds Collide this weekend for the Dusty Tag Team Classic Trophy. The tag team matches in this entire tournament have been a blast, so this one is certainly no exception, or at least it's not going to be an exception. I, I, have a, I have a very strong feeling about that. But main event time, Roderick Strong unfortunately loses the North American Championship to Keith Lee. A, an incredible performance by both men, but Keith Lee, the, uh, the undeniable, the indestructible Keith Lee, ultimately coming out on top and capturing that North American title. But trust me, the, that was not the least of Strong's concerns as Undisputed Era got jumped again by Imperium. A huge brawl is going to see these two teams clash at Worlds Collide. And there is just a brutal chop. If you haven't seen it, go watch an Imperium. Oh, man. Walter does this just nasty chop to Adam Cole, and he oversells it, but just the delivery. Ah, Walter scares me. He legit scares me. It was just brutal. It was intense. Makes me want to watch Worlds Collide that much more. I'm really looking forward to that show this week. NXT delivering another killer performance. The future of NXT and NXT UK is certainly going to shift after this pay-per-view, and it's going to be a treat, and make sure you guys watch it too. And I'll give you all the results when we get here on next week's Random Wrestling Podcast. But I do have a couple of other tidbits to talk about before we wrap things up here on this week's edition of the Random Wrestling Podcast. Uh, I did want to go back, and unfortunately, if I was not remiss at mentioning uh, the unfortunate passing of Rocky Johnson, of course, the father of Dwayne The Rock Johnson and son of High Chief Peter Maivia, or sorry, in-law of High Chief Peter Maivia. Uh, Rocky Johnson passed away at the age of 75 due to complications from a cardiac arrest. Uh, of course, Hall of Famer, uh, no doubt has an amazing career, former tag team champion with, of course, Mr. USA Tony Atlas. Uh, condolences, thoughts, well wishes, and prayers to his loved ones, family, friends. Mr. Johnson, you will be missed, and uh, may he rest in peace and rest in power as well. Now, again, going back, shifting gears to the Royal Rumble, we only know so far that 22 superstars as of this recording have been announced for the men's Royal Rumble match. There's still a chance that there's a couple of others that'll be thrown in there into the mix. There's a huge rumor going around that a rated R superstar will be returning to the Royal Rumble. There's been rumblings that he, no pun intended, that he has signed a new contract, has been cleared to compete in the ring. Although Edge has vehemently denied this, all eyes are still on the Hall of Fame rated R superstar to possibly make his return at the Royal Rumble. So we'll have to see how things play out. But again, just a rumor. Speaking of rumor, there's also apparently a leaked image coming out for Super Showdown in February at Saudi Arabia, the next huge Super Saudi uh, Super Showdown show. Say that three times fast. Coming up for WWE in February, apparently the Fiend Bray Wyatt set to defend the Universal title against Kane in an Inferno match. And we talked about Kane's involvement in the whole Daniel Bryan thing earlier on SmackDown. And that would kind of make sense. You know, it would be a nice little side, 
rivalry for Wyatt on the road to WrestleMania. An Inferno match could be fun. It's unique. It's different. It hasn't been done in a while. Uh, I could definitely see this happening. Again, card subject to change, but there's been some, apparently some leaked images about that, about possibly seeing the Wyatt fiend himself taking on Kane in an Inferno match. That could be fun, I'm not going to lie. And again, it would tie back to why Kane showed up against uh, The Fiend this past SmackDown, so all ties in. And listen, if it's a side thing to just get us to Super so Showdown, then pfft, I'm, I'm all fine with that. I'm totally fine. Now, we did mention that AEW this week was, of course, on the cruise of Jericho. Sail away, man. But Jericho said this is not the last time we're going to see the cruise of Jericho. No, mon frere. Le Champion has announced that the third cruise of Jericho will take place next year, February 5th, or sorry, 1st through the 5th, 2021. Maybe yours truly might should get on that cruise ship. I don't know. Might be fun. Could be fun. Looked like it was fun on AEW Dynamite. So just saying, keep your eyes and ears peeled. If the tickets haven't gone on sale, okay, check it out. Cruise ship number three for Jericho coming in hot next year. And finally, another weird piece of news, uh, something that I wasn't initially going to be talking about here until I got more information, and more information has uh, come out about this, and that's, of course, uh, Conan's experience with the second psychosis that ultimately led to a slap that was shared across social media like crazy. Those of you who haven't seen the video, there was a video that was recorded of a gentleman, an unknown gentleman at the time, confronting Conan, of co speaking in Spanish. Some sort of argument ensued where the gentleman was extremely, you know, pretty pissed off, ultimately slapping the legendary wrestler in the face. Conan not physically retaliating and is ultimately backing away from the confrontation. Uh, a lot of people were wondering exactly what went on. There was rumors and speculation as far as who that was. It was later found out that that man is the current Seacosis, not to be confused with the, the previous one that we've seen in ECW and WCW, and even WWE. This is the second Seacosis. And apparently the reason he was confronting over Conan was there's some sort of social media squabble online about Seacosis's role in the current AAA promotion, which of course is also somewhat run by Conan backstage. And there was some question over his use, Conan actually confirmed this on his show, Keeping It 100 with Conan, saying that he was kind of cautious about utilizing him, and well, it ultimately led to a physicality. The reason Conan said he did not fight back was because he was kind of concerned that there was, well, other gentlemen with that man, and if he retaliated, he was, ex he was not too thrilled about his chances about getting out of there. Listen, personally, I just think that there, it, it's one thing to, to have a disagreement with someone or have a, you know, um, a, a, a tiff about it, but to, to do that in public like that is just a bit much. I, I get it. Things were heated, things were said, and it got to a heated, escalated point, but like, I don't know. And granted, it's not his fault that it was aired and leaked on the internet, but just not the greatest. I'm not, I'm referring to Psychosis, not, not Conan. Uh, just not the greatest way to handle things. I understand being a man and standing up and kind of like confronting somebody, and, and sometimes it has to get to that point, but just listen, trying to keep things peaceful on social media, okay? Let's not try to it's not to get things too carried away, but hopefully everything's get resolved. And hopefully you guys enjoyed this week's episode of the Random Wrestling Podcast. If you did, let me know your thoughts. If you guys are watching, hit me up in the comment section. Social media, wherever you guys are watching or listening to this from, I would appreciate your continued love and support. Check us out on YouTube. Check us out on the website, on social media. Love to hear your guys' thoughts on this. And make sure you guys join me the night after the Royal Rumble on the YouTube channel. Or sorry, the night of the Royal Rumble. Right after, I'll be live. So you guys can join me for all the fun talking the Royal Rumble weekend. Thank you guys for tuning, so much for tuning in. And I appreciate the continued love and support. Take care, and as always, take it easy.